This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. The Bastards are back for this Tuesday edition of the podcast. We are a part of the Minute Media Podcast Network. Just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When the Red Sox are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Charlie Smith coming to you live from Providence, Rhode Island. Joining me tonight, we have Joe Goddard coming to you from our nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island. Joe, how are you doing? Doing fantastic. Uh, looking forward to this series against Chicago, and we're still riding the high of a four-game win streak. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's after an absolute sweep. It was super, super exciting. We're 8-2 and two in our last 10. Job, where can people find you on Twitter? People can find me at J-O-B-M-L-B. Still no job applications, Charlie, but uh, we're getting there. We win a couple more games. I might open up some job applications. I appreciate that. I know I mentioned that in the last one. Smith underscore MLB is how you can find me. Also joining us tonight for the third member of our crew, we have Terry Cushman, who is coming to you live from Myrtle Beach by way of Wyndham, Maine. Terry, how are you doing, sir? Ready to start throwing some hot takes that were submitted by our followers. Looking forward to the two I'm going to cover. Okay, right on. Well, uh, Terry, why don't you lead it off today? Why don't you go first? What All is right. your first take? Uh, the first one, as I should have had my um, screen up. Here we go. Uh, I think it's pronounced, uh, I think he goes north face. It's N period face. Um, so... Don't know what the N stands for, but one of our regular followers and contributors, he says JBJ gets released in June. Now, when I read that, I'm trying. I want that to be true so bad. I'm like, and I'm trying to trying to come up with scenarios in which it might be true. But unfortunately, I'm going to disagree with the hot take. You could call Jaron Duran up and he's your he's your lefty and could could spend some time out in, in right field, but I don't think they would do that because he hasn't shown a ton of upside offensively to just DFA Bradley. Bradley Bradley's defense would keep him in that position over over Duran. So um there's just no depth. There's just no depth. You could go Franchi every day in right field. That's another solution. We're just so damn lefty heavy. I just can't, I can't, I can't get Bradley off the team, unfortunately. 
I think this is a Jason burner account <laughs> that, that tweeted this at us because we know that that's a dream of, of Jason's. I also don't think it's going to happen. I don't think there's any chance, um, based on the way he's playing, that he gets DFA'd, especially the way he's playing currently. He's on one of his hot weeks, as Terry likes to say. He, you know, he's he bats a thousand for one week of of a month, and then he bats zero for the other three weeks, and somehow ends up at one ninety. And people only remember the good times with Jackie Bradley Jr. Jackie's not going to go anywhere. Not when he's hitting three hundred at home. He's hitting two ninety four at Fenway Park. He's a fan favorite. He jumps up onto that wall in right field and just balances there. It's pretty damn cool to watch. He's just really, really good uh, at home. I mean, away, we're not really expecting too much. But like you mentioned, we are pretty lefty heavy. And whether we like it or not, this is a fan favorite. So, And his contract Joe, sucks. His contract does suck. But you know what? That's that's not the number one thing we're gonna we're not we're gonna burn down. Terry, do you have something else you want to add? Yeah, just one caveat though that that could make it come true is Bloom probably needs to make some moves here a lot earlier than July, where we're we're kind of crawling into it. So if he were to go get like a Tommy Fam guy that we were talking about privately earlier, I know Will Myers is a is a popular trade target based on the the previous dialogue we've had with the Padres uh, and Bloom did a lot of business with them when he was uh, in Tampa. If something like that were to happen, that's potentially how you get Jackie Bradley off the team uh, by some point in June. I wish just, I, I wish I'd love to have Tommy Pham on this team. Tommy Pham and I, uh, we share a, an eye condition. We're both blind as a bat. Um, it's a relatively rare condition called keratoconus and, uh, Tommy Pham and Steph Curry are the only two prominent athletes that have that condition. So, uh, special place in my heart for Tommy Pham. I'd love to have Tommy Pham on the Red Sox. And if it comes at the expense of Jackie Bradley Jr., that's even better. All right, Joe, what do you got for your take? Well, I'm going to go with one that I think is satire, but I still love it. So we're going to go with it anyway. It's from Brian Steele. Who, who tweets at us that our sweep of Seattle's in no way an indication that things are getting better under Heim Bloom. He's the worst thing to happen to Boston since the Tea Party Act of 1773. I don't go back quite that far. There was this guy named uh, George Herman Ruth who was traded to the Yankees in 1919. That's probably the worst thing to happen in Boston. Um, a little bit more relative or, or recent, rather, in Boston sports than the Tea Party. But I'm no fan of High Bloom. Uh, I want him gone. I'm going to continue to want him gone until this team goes out and pays players, especially pitchers, who are good and not just bargain bin material, as Charlie likes to call them. And uh, so I don't think I do? it's a hot take. <laughs> you do. You do. No, I'm just kidding. I don't even know if it's you who likes to call it. Somebody likes to call it the bargain bin. It might be Zach in the war room who likes to use that term. But either way, I can't stand the way that Heim Bloom is doing business right now. I've been very clear on this. I am the Heim Bloom hater. Um, there's the Bluminati, and then there's me. I'm fighting the good fight over here. But uh, 1773 is stretching it just a little bit. Terry? Well, 
Brian Steele, uh, you know, is active on the Bastards of Boston Twitter account, and that was not satire. He is not a Heimbloom guy, much like uh, most of us, uh, at least for now. Um, I I think we are turning it around. A, a strong series against Chicago will you know, further thrust us up and set us up for those two cupcake series we have coming up. But um, I'm just not ready to, I'm just not ready to say, you know, fire bloom because I, I gotta see one more winter when he's got, when he definitely will have money to play with. And if I'm mad by, pitchers and catchers reporting next February, then it's probably safe to say I'll never be a high bloom guy, but I'm, I'm not ready to write him off just yet. Welcome to the family, Terry <laughs> fire bloom. I, um, I, I think we are turning it around. Uh, you know, Terry kind of just took the, the wind out of my sail there, but I mean, I was saying and talking about this on the other show as well. I'm feeling really, really good about this team now. Um, I, I probably didn't feel anywhere remotely close to this team, um, or want to admit that last year. Um, and I was damn right about it in 2020, but we have a lot of good reasons, um, to feel confident right now. So I think we are doing better, whether this has anything to do with high and bloom or not. I think that a lot of the players that we've been waiting for their coming out party, you know, not Boston tea party, but coming out party, uh, to be a reality, it finally happened. So I'm I'm super pumped that it did. All right. So let me find my first one here. Give me one second. So where is it? I know I have it. I've got them all up too, Charlie. Uh, which one was it about? It was the one where we... We're trying. It was like come back, and I apologize because I had it lined up, and then I was. I, I is it to, uh, is it about Bloom? Nope. It was the fact that we've got you know some some room to make up here. Yeah, here it is, right here, Retina. So this guy right here at iHunter TV says the Red Sox are leading the AL East at the All Star break. No, we are not. Uh, that's not going to happen. I think that's an incredibly hot take. I absolutely love the the passion, the fire behind it, but we need to make up 10 games. That's not happening with the Yankees that are really, really hot. I'm not even going to talk about the most recent series, the fact they got swept against Chicago. The Yankees are the the top team in the AL East right now. They have five game lead, um, a five-game lead over the next best team, and that's Tampa Bay. We still have to get through Toronto. We have to get through Tampa, and we have to get through New York. It's not happening. I think we can shave off a couple. I think it's, it's not a far cry to say that maybe we're four games out, um, but that's still making up six on the New York Yankees that are playing over 700 baseball. So I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Joe, what do you got? Well, no, I, I don't think that uh, they're going to be leading by the all-star break. In fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they don't have a division lead the entire season. That's my, my hot take on the hot take. Um, this Red Sox team is going to be okay. I predict them to win 86 games, I think. Uh, on our preseason show, I still maintain that's where they're going to get, maybe 84 at this point. Um, but I don't think that we're going to catch the Yankees who are on pace for 102, 
we're just not that team and the Yankees are finally hitting their stride. Aaron Judge decides he want to get he wants to get paid. He wants that Mike Trout extension 10 for 360 and he's playing like it. So it's going to be really tough to catch the Yankees. I'm not sold on the Yankees, really. Um, we touched on this on the midweek show. I mean, Nestor Cortez hasn't pitched more than 93 innings, and uh, Luis Severino can lose his mechanics, could get hurt. Even if the Yankees do collapse, Tampa Bay isn't going to collapse and will probably lead the division. So I, the Red Sox... I think the best they're going to do at any point this year uh, would be second place in the division. And even that's a stretch because I think Toronto's going to heat up as well. But could we climb into the number five or number six wildcard spot by the end of it? Yeah, I think we can. And it's going to be a best two out of three series. So it's not even a stressful one gamer anymore. I, I like it. Cool. Yeah, I kind of like that take. I really hope that things remain that positive. Um, are, are we ready for the next one, Terry? Go for it. Yes. Oh, that's me, isn't it? It is. It's your shot. It's me. All right. So this, my next one is from uh, J.W. Walter, and I'm pulling a Charlie here. All right, here it is. He says, Ric Flair's last match is going to be a huge hit. Okay. Now, I was a big WWE fan when I was little, which was in the 90s. I was a 90s kid, born in 83. So uh, all my heroes in WWE were in the 90s. Ric Flair is the most overrated wrestler of all time. The dude was so basic. He wasn't athletic at all. He wasn't innovative in the ring. It was just a very basic match. Nothing exciting about it. Was he entertaining on the microphone? Yeah, a little bit, but not a Ric Flair guy. And the fact that people are taking his match seriously, I think he's like, he might be like 72 years old. He's I didn't look 77, it up. I think. 77? I think so. I think that's a little old. Now we're going to have to look it up live on the air. Ric Flair, I got it right here. He was born in... Uh, He's 1949. 73. 73. All right. I shorted him a year. 73. Oh, my goodness. I just. Over the most overrated wrestler of all time. So funny story, though. J.W. Walter and I have a bit of a history. Uh, we made a $100 bet, his charity versus mine, on the 2020 election. Now, I took Trump, lost the bet. So I had to, uh, I asked him, I said, okay, which, you know, which charity um, do, you, do you want me to donate to? And um, I feel bad about this because I've already forgotten the exact name of it. But it was basically for... Uh, a charity for for women who have been victims of domestic violence. So I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a good charity. I'll, I I donated to that. Somehow the people that worked at that charity, uh, they took my donation and then they sent me a thank you note and said, thank you so much for your generous donation and said, P.S., 
sorry you lost your bet. I'm like, I didn't even tell them I lost a bet. They looked me up on social media and found out that I only donated because it was because I lost a bet. I never, I didn't even say a message or anything in there. So they apparently do a little bit of background on people that do donate. And, uh, but yeah, but nonetheless, I, I was more mad about the reason I lost the bet than, than actually losing it. So, <laughs> but yeah, so JW Walter and I, uh, you know, all right. It's a good, ta- it's a good story. It's a terrible take. Okay. <laughs> Rick, Rick Flair is as exciting oh, as it oh, gets. Not. Yeah. All right. Rick uh, Flair is fun to watch. He's a character. He is the Stephen A. Smith of the wrestling world. Now, he's 72. The match is going to suck. Okay? It's like anyone who tuned in to watch the uh, Mike Tyson fight with Snoop Dogg as the commentator. It's like one of those. It's a gimmick. I mean, Ric Flair needs some money. Um, <laughs> but He needs some beer money. Exactly. He needs some beer money because he needs to be able to afford the, the 18 beers a day that he's he's been drinking since he was 18. That being said, if there's a if there's a wrestling match that's going to get me as an adult to tune in, it's going to be Ric Flair. Not going to lie. That'll be some great YouTube highlights. I was a big Bret the Hitman Hart fan. I used to put my brothers in the sharpshooter. They'd be like screaming. I'd get grounded, but it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, Job, I believe it's your hot take next. It is, and uh, I've been talking on mute here for a second. So I had one kind of lined up, and I decided I'm going with a different one. The reason I'm going with a different one is because this one just it, – it, it's everything I've been saying for the last three shows, and also because I lost the one that I was going to go with. Uh, so I'm going to go with Schreiber is our second best reliever. As the hot take that comes from, I don't want to, I don't want to still get it from that from Mike McKenzie and McKenzie 73 on Twitter. It's not a hot take. Mike doesn't belong on this show. Mike it's uh it's fact. He's, he's our, in fact, I'd go so far as to say he's our best reliever. We talked about the numbers on the last show. Uh, I believe it's 10 and a third innings pitch. Oh, 48 whip. Uh, he's allowed one run. It's unearned. And uh, he's got more strikeouts than walks. Doesn't walk a lot of guys. Plus, he throws from a funny angle and throws 92 miles an hour. Like that, those are the kind of guys that I like because they're not overpowering physically. Like, I feel like I could do that. I know I can't do that and I never could do that. But those little janky things, like, makes me think that if I'd ever thrown the ball from just one weird angle, I could do it. So, Schreiber is the best reliever in Boston right now, assuming Whitlock is a starter. Uh, Charlie and I had this conversation off the air before coming on. Assuming that Whitlock is in the starting rotation nowadays, he's your he's your best reliever. He's a great story, and I want to watch it evolve. When he comes into the game, I get excited because he's refreshing, and he hasn't had a great career so far. I mean, let's see. 2020 he was with the tigers only pitched 15 innings but um you know he had a six something era same as the season before just kind of been basically a journeyman 
up to this point in his career. He's 28 years old, having a breakout, and I hope it continues. I hope this is one of those gems that we talk about for for years to come that, you know, Bloom found and, and kind of came out of nowhere. Koji Uihara came out of nowhere. So I don't Koji Uihara, people forget, Terry, was the sixth inning reliever. And his first his first appearance, he was in the sixth inning. He was like middle innings, not a late guy. Yeah. And then six weeks later, he's the most dominant pitcher in baseball. The best single season we've ever seen from a closer by far. So so I, I I'm with you, Joe. I don't know if I want him to close. I kinda want Matt Strom to be that guy, but um, but I, I would still rather see him in, in high leverage over a guy like Hansel Robles. Uh, I, I like it. I really like it. And uh, I know Joe had mentioned Schreiber's name when he had only thrown like eight pitches, and it, that's what it felt like. And um, after another 30 pitches, not much has changed. Um, you know, another 30, 150 pitches, whatever you want to look at, uh, guys allowed only five hits and 10 and a third with one run that wasn't earned, and he's striking out over one an inning. Each of his last two performances, he struck out two out of three. Um, I, I can't say anything bad about it, and I, I, I really do like it. It is kind of like a funky arm angle. I think the one thing that would have made it interesting is had you taken it one step further to that to that person that, that sent that hot take, and thank you for the hot take so far, folks, um, is John Schreiber – has been one of our most consistent relievers and possibly the best since uh, since Garrett Whitlock. I think that would have been an interesting talking point because you guys already mentioned it. This is a Cinderella story again. You know, this is somebody who a couple years ago didn't really do that well, didn't really get a chance, and then last year only had a couple of appearances, and this year he's really figured out at age 28. So awesome for Schreiber, awesome for for that take, and. Uh, I think if, if that's it, I'll, I'll move into my last one. Unless you guys have anything else you want to add. Nope. Good. Nope. All right, cool. So this is coming from Pavetta Lover, uh, Pavetta Lover uh, at something 173-737. Strom is having an all-star season and will keep an ERA under two for the remainder of the year. Uh, currently, uh, thank you for that hot take uh, at something. Um, I believe right now he's having – already a sub two ERA. I don't think he's below the mark. I think it's possible that he could do that again. Um, can Strom keep that up for the remainder of the year? Strom's only allowed one hit in May. Like he's on it when he's pitching, he's on it. So um, he had three straight appearances where he struck out two or more. Uh, and it was in that little three game span that he allowed his hit. The only times that he's allowed an earned run this year, once against Minnesota and once against Toronto, he lost the game against Toronto. He won the game against Minnesota. He's had three holds and he's had, excuse me, four holds and one save this year. He brought his ERA down from 3.52 in the month of uh, May as high as 3.86. It's now sitting at 1.88. Every single time he comes out, I feel a little bit better. And similar to Shriver for Job, this is the guy that when he comes in, I feel good. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, Terry kind of mentioned it in, in his Shriver response. I like it. I think he's, for lack of a better term, and I apologize for not being as politically correct as I should be on the show, he's got balls. I mean, he he pitches 
with everything on the line. He doesn't leave anything held back. He attacks hitters. He's got dominant movement on the slider. And it just it feels like when you're when your number one guy has confidence, it solidifies everyone else's role. And the one thing we know is major league baseball players, creatures of habit, they have to have solidified roles. It's why the Heim Bloom approach doesn't work and we should name a closer. Yes, Charlie. I don't know if I actually answered that take, but do I think that he can keep his ERA under two for the rest of the season? I absolutely do. Yes, he if should. He, yes. to do, he, he absolutely can. And yes, I think that's a great take. Uh, Terry, anything you wanted to throw in there? He absolutely could have a sub two ERA. I love everything about him so far. I mean, we haven't gotten to see him in that closer role that some of us have wanted. I know Andrew's been calling for it longer than anyone, but you can do so much with him. He can get more than three outs if you need him to. And when he comes in, there's just this confidence that not many other guys in that bullpen have. So I think he's thriving on that. And this is going to be a breakout season for him too. And he's going to get paid this winter, probably not by the Red Sox. So, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to utter that one a lot. We're uttering that one a lot. They're going to get paid. It's not going to be by the Red Sox. That's going to be the new motto. Yeah. We'll hopefully get another Matt Strom next year uh, that they can identify. But, um, but he's got, he's probably going to make a lot of money and enjoy it while it lasts. Absolutely. Uh, Joe, is there anything else you want to add? No, I think you guys pretty much covered it. I hope he keeps it under two. Let's, uh, let's name him the closer full time. Cool. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you, Job and Terry for both helping us out with some hot takes as always to our fans, our dedicated listeners. Uh, thank you for helping us come up with our build your own episode, essentially where your hot takes make this show exciting and as always eventful. So Thank you all, and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys in the future helping us build another episode. Have a great night, everyone. Take care.